Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Garth to my Wayne. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? You ever find Bugs Bunny attractive when he dressed up like a girl bunny to fool the hunters? <laughs> and our very own, this is a tough choice, I'm going to go with our very own Terry. That's right, I love you, man. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric. Yeah, for those that don't know, Terry, the other one of, uh, the only really uh, part of Wayne and Garth's crew that spoke and said anything. The cameraman. I could have made you Stan Makita. <laughs> or, or or what's the Ed O'Neill's character's name in the Glenn? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, it's, yeah. He, he says he works at the donut shop 24 hours a day. <laughs> 24 hours a day. Why I miss it shop. You kill a man <laughs> in battle. It's considered heroic. In, in the heat of passion. <laughs> it's considered murder. Uh, excuse me. Hello. All right. Let's, I can talk to the camera. <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, get to it. Uh, last week, the Seahawks had a no good, very bad day, uh, to say the least. It was, um, I think, kind of like every bad thing about... Th- so, you know, they said there's a chance that every good thing about this team comes out, you know? And like, it's this like... This was not that game. This was the opposite. Every single bad thing about the Seahawks all at once. Uh, all where, to, where to start? Uh, offensive line miscommunications. There was a lot. The interior of the offensive line was consistently collapsed throughout the game. Uh, did, Russell Wilson was was pressured on, I think, over fifty percent of his dropbacks. Something like sixty-two percent of his dropbacks. Twenty-six and I know what out of thirty-six. Aaron Donald's really hard to contain, and that's true. Though we should have done a better job because he got what was it six pressures on fifteen pass rush snaps. But then he also went out of the game after fifteen pass rush snaps, and they still were constantly getting to Russ. Yeah, rush. That's when he's that's when he's at his most dangerous when he's not in the game, Kevin. I mean, let's be honest. On snaps where Russ was not pressured, he wasn't even good. Six for 16, 37.5 yards, four drops, which is like insanity. Uh, he had the pick. He had a Hollister pick. had two drops over five. Uh, that short, that short, yeah, the short middle area of the field, Russ was 0 for 5. That's like his worst area historically, and it proved out again this game to be a, another terrible uh, spot for him. We uh, we ran kind of good. We're gonna, I'm gonna get into more specifics in a minute, but I just kind of want to do a blanket coverage of the game like we usually do, and then kind of dive into specifics. Uh, specifically, Carson ran pretty good. Hyde ran yeah. like crap. Yeah, Hyde was bad. Four rushes for five yards, uh, one first down, and had opportunities for more. They trusted him on a couple short downs, and uh, he did not cost us. Us. They did not. They did not get our. We did not get our first uh, third down conversion until the end of the third quarter. We were zero for eleven prior to that. Uh, Do another pre- frustrating stat like that? It's pretty bad. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, we went. We had, we ran a we we ran a rushing play on five out of the first six first downs um, of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a little predictable there when you just run every single time on first down. Yeah. So that's uh, problematic. It wasn't until we were down by two scores that we stopped doing that. And I mean the defense. The <laughs> defense. I mean was was a. Uh... The defense was, was potent for the first okay. like three quarters. Right, they were okay, uh, but you can't give up that much passing yardage to a one one handed quarterback. And I mean, he couldn't throw left either. Like you could tell, he would read his first two progressions like right side middle and then just throw it away because <laughs> yeah. like he had he had nothing and and then he or he'd get sacked and really be protecting his thumb, you know, holding his arm into his body, making sure he didn't get it hurt. Goff was very clearly injured and still had. Uh, I wouldn't say a good game. I mean, no one's gonna no one's gonna claim forty seven percent passing is good, but he was serviceable. He was perfectly fine, and that's a failure. To, there were only a, twenty pass attempts. That's a failure for the defense. I mean, Cam Akers ran wild on us. Ninety seven mm-hmm. of his yards coming after contact, just not not good tackling. Awful. Uh, f- four broken tackles. <clears throat> just a, a rough go of it. Uh, the defense was. I mean, let's be honest. The defense gave it 23 points. That's probably under most circumstances. That's of most you can hope for, right? Like, that's a decent showing. Although, 
I guess a one handed QB though. Maybe you expect a little more against the one handed QB, right? Is what I was just about to say. But the the it's it's an it's a it's a very average defensive showing. It's not great. It's not bad. It was it was fine. Um, Adams got should... victimized because you could tell he basically couldn't use his upper body. Yeah, yeah. Adams that was problematic. Uh, right. Lattimore looked like he didn't belong on an NFL field. All right, you ready for it? So now what we're gonna do is what I like to call the airing of grievances. You know, a little uh, a <laughs> little little late a little late festivus. This is where we're going to talk about specifically the things that we saw go wrong. In this game, Kevin, you're already getting into it. So you had a little early uh, airing of grievances there with the Jamal Adams thing. I'm going to go first. We played the Rams three weeks ago. And a fun thing you can do, this is not fun, but I did it. You could do it too if you want to torture yourself like I did. Watch watch what we did three weeks ago against the Rams. And then watch what we did last week against the Rams. And notice that we ran, we didn't just run the same plays, we like play concepts. We ran the same play concepts out of the exact same formations. And if you think that they, that defense did not see that stuff in the scout team this week going into the game, one, you're, you're crazy. And two, it makes it so easy for their defense. It is, it's so freaking easy for their defense when you and run the, ex- the exact same plays out of the exact same formation. <clears throat> Like this is not this is not like a peewee football. And Pete sometimes treats these games like they are you like he's USC and he's they they they're just so much better than the other team. They're gonna roll out their basic offense and make them beat us. Well, guess what? If you make a good NFL defense beat you by just running the exact same plays you ran against them last time, they're gonna beat you because the talent level of an NF of the NFL is relatively flat. The differences are the superstar players because there's just a limit on how much any one player gets paid and the and the coaches. And that's the difference. And when you do the exact same thing you did three weeks ago and say, okay, now beat this, they'll go, okay, yeah, we can beat that. That's fine. It's okay with me. And it's just drives it drove me insane. I'm I'm just it's so frustrating and it leads to just big mistakes like the pick six, and it, it's just it's insanity. They they were insane to try that against a coach, a, co- a coach like McVay and a team as as good as the Rams. I don't even think the Rams are like an A plus team, but they're a solid B plus. And to do that is just that's basically giving them the game. I'm very stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, Pete's hubris has no bounds, and that was a great example of it. All right, Kevin, what's a grievance that you have from <laughs> from the last game? Uh, let's see. You could go back to Jamal. And don't, go back to Jamal. Don't take them all, Kevin. Yeah. So uh, you got, Kevin, have, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin right now is reading it through his like notes, and he's like, okay, which yeah, one a, of these do I want to do the most? This is a very deep well <laughs> here. I'm going to go back to the one that I said first. So if you look across the game, statistics can be a little bit deceiving about uh, how many run plays versus pass plays, plays that we did, um, and especially pass plays on first down. And that's because after we got down by two scores – we started throwing the ball on first down a lot. Um, would either of you like to chime in with the problem with that? <laughs> For those of you in the audience, if you don't know, when you're behind by two scores, the defense knows you're throwing it. So we spent five of the first six first downs <laughs> running the ball when they knew we were going to run it. But then when we got down by two scores, we went ahead and just threw the ball when they knew we were going to throw it. Yeah. Which isn't better. There was there was no upgrade in that exchange. So even though it looks like we didn't run the ball that much on first down comparatively, and you know, you go, okay, Carson got 16 for 77. He did pretty decent. Maybe we could have run the ball more. It's not about running the ball more and less. It's not about throwing more and less. It's about running when it's situationally advantageous to run and throwing when it's situationally advantageous to throw. And that's not what we were doing. What we were doing is we were trying to go out there and impose our will on the Rams' defense, which is also known as being dumb and stubborn. And this is what it got us. Sounds like a... Uh, is that is that fall under coaching, Kevin? I would say that falls under coaching, yes. a An irrational... Uh, Phobia of making changes that are necessary in like you got to make changes during the game. I don't know if this is Schottenheimer thing, but he like must watch the tape, 
think, see what he thinks is going to work and then have this, he has this just unwavering belief that eventually it is going to work. And it's like, I have a good analogy for this. Okay. Um, so Schottenheimer is our offensive coordinator. It's sort of like running a single core processor when the rest of the NFL is running multi-core processors because he can like fixate on one aspect of the offense and do a really good job of thinking about that one aspect. But any defense worth his weight in salt can shut down one aspect. All the other teams are doing like two or three different things pretty well. And here we are just like, okay, we've got a plan to scheme up some deep shots. And it's like, all right, but like, what if they go to high safeties and shut down the deep shots? Then we'll scheme up some deep shots. And you're like, that's no, mm-hmm. that's not how that works. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, Eric. What's, um, your, uh, what's your primary primary grievance? I'm going to take this a little different direction here because the blame needs to go around. Russell Wilson, 11 for 27, 174 yards in an interception. He also had two touchdowns in a, in a game that we lost. Uh, this was the season of Let Russ Cook. Let Russ Cook, the idea behind that the ideology is that you need to get out of russell wilson's way this is one of the most prolific playmakers in the nfl earlier in the season and throughout the season i heard the all-time great someone made a list on one of these meaningless pregame shows about the greatest of all time the greatest pocket quarterback and the greatest playmaker quarterback they said was russell wilson with steve young as a close number two now that's all meaningless but we know what Russell Wilson can do. We've seen Russ Cook 11 for 27 with Aaron Donald not on you for the last quarter and a half. I expect more from this offense. I expect more from the offensive play calling, which we've already gone over. I would have expected, and I did expect, Russell Wilson to take over and bring in some Russell magic. And maybe it's the drops in the game. Hollister having some drops was bad. DK Metcalf, I feel like he is borderline diva. He's starting to shout. He gets mad if he gets shut down the wrong way. He's a little immature. Still dropping balls. Tyler Lockett, God rest your soul. We love you so much. And I love all these guys. But Russell Wilson, no magic at a time when your offensive play calling, your coaches failed you. You went 11 for 27. And honestly, that interception you threw, awful, awful interception. I still have this underlying feeling that maybe Russ can't see his receivers over the offensive line. I've been thinking that's a hot take for so long, I'm starting to finally believe it. So so you're saying our new offensive coordinator should be platform shoes? Uh, possibly. I posted, I posted that meme in the Discord. <laughs> yeah. There's there's so much to go over and so many failures in this game, but I need to make sure that Russ is out there because Russ isn't blameless in this. And also his attitude after the game. Uh, I work with someone who has a supremely positive attitude when everything's going to hell. And sometimes you just need to shut up and do it. And uh, it's, it's wearing a little thin, especially uh, to quote the amazing uh, maybe – underlying mvp of this year kj wright man this is this is our best chance to win a super bowl since super bowl 49 and that's that's really depressing when you think about it okay my uh my next grievance real quick though before that because you mentioned the screenplay the other thing is dk needs to come back to the freaking ball oh this is my other grievance though okay okay that my grievance is that that is the worst executed passing play uh, that the Seahawks have done since that one. You since know which one I'm talking. <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about. That that play. Oh my gosh! Every single person on that play did did not do their job very well, uh, including Freddie. Freddie's went okay. Shoddy, bad play call because you've done this play three weeks ago against them. Start with that, but and a billion but, times. But but okay. Two, you're forcing it to DK because he threw a Tempe on the t- on the sideline. They that's that's not good. But three. Uh, Okay, DK needs to come back hard to that ball to make the block easier for Swain. Swain, you need to throw a better block than that. That's some that's some weak blocking stuff there. And then Russ, you need to recognize the coverage and see that that guy's coming down and maybe pump fake, pull that in, throw it up, just throw it five yards over his head. 
you, you can't just chuck chuck that in there. And, and so everyone on that play failed. It's like a triple fail. And when when thing that drives me nuts, okay, about Pete Carroll in general is his his whole philosophy is built around maximizing big plays for your team, right? Reducing big plays for their team, maximizing turnovers for your team, reducing turnovers for your team. But because Toxic we differential, but because we worship at the uh, at the Almighty Church of the Toxic Differential, right? And Pastor Pete Carroll's at his pulpit preaching us the way of the Toxic Differential. When you have bad Toxic Differential plays like a pick six, it is really hard for your team to win. Because you have to go away from the things that that got you to where you're at, and yeah, worshiping in the church of the toxic differential is going to lead us to a lot of playoff games. But if we cannot switch gears and abandon that when we start to get behind, then we are going to end up losing a lot of playoff games because the really good teams are not going to make mistakes either. What did the Rams do in this game? They just didn't make any mistakes, right? They didn't turn the ball over, even though they had a quarterback with a broken thumb. They created turnovers. They didn't give up big plays, but created a couple for themselves with the long catch to Cooper Cup and, uh, and other stuff like that. They they were the ones that were maximizing the toxic differential. They took over the church from Pete and threw him out on the street. Okay, so this is it was an embarrassing loss because what they did is exactly what we want to do, and we gave up the really bad big plays. And we and Kevin talked about this a couple of weeks ago, weeks ago, where that knife can cut both ways, right? And and mm-hmm. often because Pete is trying so hard to maximizing it, to maximize it, it goes towards us, and we are all very happy. Oh yes, that's great, um, but. Pete Carroll, uh, because of this, uh, you know, that knife cut back hard and we took a big L. I have another one. So uh, if you guys want to, uh, but you guys go go ahead, Kevin. All right. Uh, This one's for head strength and conditioning coach Ivan the Terrible Lewis. Um, Injuries have been an extremely big part of the narrative of our season for the entire time he's been with us. And so it's no surprise that we've got Adams, who basically just doesn't have an upper body right now. He's just a pair of legs running around the field with a head attached. We have um, the situation on the interior of our defensive line. Monet hurt and off and on all season. Um, Lattimore's in there who doesn't belong on the field. Uh, Ford has been dinged up and playing the best he can. And... We would have Stax Harrison, except we had to cut him loose when we thought Monet was coming back, except nobody can ever seem to get healthy for this team. You could say the same thing about the interior of our offensive line, and really everybody to the right of Dwayne Brown this season has been injured and missing time, and it's a big problem. It's a big part of the team's narrative, and so if you have a strength and conditioning coach who can't seem to keep players healthy who can't seem to keep players on the field, who makes it so we don't have Penny instead of Hyde out there, then that's unacceptable. This is that you have one job. I like it. Uh, Carlos Hyde? Carlos Hyde? I had a lot of faith in you, Carlos Hyde. I tried to go a little little, uh, uh, Frank Stanza there. Um, Booker T. Book- <laughs> I'm like, you? Uh, yeah, I'm we're gonna, gonna go we're gonna we're gonna keep Booker T. Five times, five times. <laughs> I had a lot of faith in Carlos Hyde all season long. We said, uh, you know, you were like, I don't like when Carlos Hyde is in there. Well, when Carlos Hyde took over for, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, guys, I literally just co- coughed it up for Chris Carson. Um, sorry, choked on my own spit. Thanks a lot, Carlos Hyde. When Carlos Hyde took over for Chris Carson earlier in the season. It wasn't ideal, but it was a guy who could get those tough yards for a couple games. Carlos Hyde, you died out there on the field. I felt like you gave up this game. You fell sideways. I am out on Carlos Hyde. Not that I should have been in on him in the first place, but there are moments this season, and in a time we needed you, you were called upon in times you shouldn't have been, and you still whiffed and i'm very angry all right uh kevin you got any more i couldn't stop yeah 
We get we could go uh, on and on. I think I have a I have another one, but it's so controversial that I want to save it for the off season. Um, it's such a I need to workshop it more. Uh, <laughs> I need to spend more time in the incubator. So you're coming in hot enough that you want to make sure you have everything in order. I got it. Yeah, I. I uh, yeah, I I think if I just reveal it now, I think I'm going to get to the the haters are going to be on me. Uh, so this is just a teaser for for, <laughs> for later, which. To be honest, I hate when people do teasers, so now it makes me want to do it more. I'll just do it. Do you, you ready for this? This is a hot. T- this is a fire take, like hot take. Um, but I don't think DK Metcalf is that much better from year one to year two. He just got twenty five more targets. Uh, he had sixty two percent catch percentage in his first year, six only up to sixty five. He his drop stayed basically exactly the same. Five passes targeted targeting him this year were interceptions which means that his nfl rating targeting him actually went down from year one to year two because i think they were trying to force feed him a little bit too much his yards per perception are basically the same his yards after catch for reception went down uh i just think that um people are ready to crown dk as the next um greatest thing since sliced bread and i think he's really good but i don't think he's like that much better than he was in year one and i'm not ready to put it him on the uh the Julio, uh, you know, in that tier with the great receivers since week 13, five catches, six catches, five catches, six catches, three catches, five catches down the stretch and did not have a 100 yard game in the last six weeks of the season. As the whole offense was failing, he was a significant part of that, I feel like. And um, there, there's my hot, super hot take. Okay. So, uh, can, can I talk about something that's kind of, I guess, positive? I, the thing is, DK is good. He was really good his first year, but I just don't think he's that much better. I don't think he's in the upper the you know. And I, I hope he listens to this and then gets mad at me so that he because apparently that makes him play a lot better. If I remember right, when that guy <laughs> said he wasn't quite Megatron, he got mad and then he was the goat. So that's what I'm hoping is that it's, it's actually like a this is actually like a, a 5D chess thing. <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm gonna go in a different direction. Um, or a slightly different direction with this, but also I hear people, and this is specifically targeting PFF because one of them mentioned it um, explicitly. Since when was Tyler Lockett not really good at football? Oh, Tyler Lockett's so good. Can someone explain Amazing. to me how Tyler Lockett's not extremely good at football? Like so people good. are talking about how Ty- like I've heard Tyler Lockett can't stay healthy. Really? Like how old is that narrative? Because that can't yeah. be from the last three seasons. You know, oh, Tyler Lockett, you know, I don't even know if he's a number two option. Tyler Lockett Dude, can't stay he's healthy. Our number one there's, option. there's only one game he didn't appear on in, in the last, what, like six years? Since he's rookie year, I think he's appeared in every game but one. Well, no, he, a, he got injured his second year, right? And then, but 2018 uh, tw- through 2020. 20, 2016, he had 15 games out of 16. Then every other year, he has 16. He okay. appeared in 16 games. Yeah, it's insane. What, who would say he's? Yeah, he picks up naggy injuries, but he still plays good. And he, there are games this season, and games as in more than one of them that he took over, like mm-hmm. in that Arizona game, and that's the one that people want to mention. We had two hundred receiving yards, but he was big time in the Dallas game, hundred yards, three touchdowns, nine catches on thirteen targets. He's our <laughs> best sticks mover because he's a reliable pass catcher, like. He had 12 receptions in the San Francisco game when we couldn't do anything except for dink and dunk. Like, yeah, when we're talking about having a third option, it's because we have two good options. And I know what you're saying. You're saying DK is a good option, but let's just kind of slow our roll before we start trying to say that he's like 1B on best receiver in the league. I I get that. One thing I'll say about DK too is that I think he, there's very possible he could still make a, a leap forward there's room for him to grow cut the drops uh increase your catch radius a little bit uh and can cut in like those those uh some of those interceptions you know i felt like he he uh did, but i mean like like no well he's amari cooper right now and we think there's he can only be better than that. there's only two players in the nfl that had more drops than dk metcalf you know deontay johnson and jerry judy who were much maligned for all of their drops and dk does not get that same treatment you know, DK does not get that same like, man, why is he dropping all this passes treatment? And in my opinion, he probably should. He should get a little more uh, stick for it. It's a, definitely a hole in his game that uh, that can be improved. But yeah, um, 
but I mean, yeah, he's the 20th best receiver in the NFL or the 15th instead of <laughs> instead of the 10th or 5th. I don't know. I'm not I'm not complaining. I want him on my team 10 out of 10 times. Okay. Um, you're saying if you're going to crown him, then crown him. Yeah, and but maybe we shouldn't. We thought he was. Maybe we shouldn't be like all hail DK, feed him the ball. You know, it's a little bit much. And I think like. Especially when you do have another really good receiver. There was a point in the last game where it was like, it seemed like that's what was happening. And I was just like, I was concerned. How about that? All right. Anyway, that, I just, like I said, I needed to workshop that take more. And now I felt like I'm out on an island. All right. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and now we had some, we had some, uh, some some questions coming in, some some thoughts rolling in. So it's uh, here's number one. Pete's regular season high floor is not going to get the team back to the Super Bowl. He bailed on the offense as soon as it failed, suckering out for a more conservative offense. Is it time to move on? Uh, okay, well, we're not moving on from Pete, obviously, but they did make coaching changes already, and we'll get into this in a little bit. We're going to do a whole thing about offensive coordinators. but Yeah, this question what, was before the coaching change, obviously. Do you think what do what do you think about Pete's regular season floor versus his playoff ceiling? Like what what is that what does that kind of question mean to you, Kevin? Uh, I will let Eric take this first because I have a really specific take on it. Okay. Oh, all right. Um, I guess. uh, Jeez, this is so hard for me because I really do think Pete can get us back to another Super Bowl. I just don't know what that's going to take. and when I when I examine that statement, it tells me magic has to happen to get to another Super Bowl. How do we get to the first Super Bowl? We had a young quarterback who could basically imagine Lamar Jackson if he was extremely accurate and threw for three hundred yards a game, uh, or could on a consistent basis. Uh, Russ doesn't have those legs anymore. Russ is older. I don't think he's done by any means, but he's not a young man anymore. This guy's thirty two years old. We have the receivers, something that maybe we didn't always have. But if your quarterback can't get in the ball, what's the point? Our offensive line is not the Super Bowl offensive line. Maybe they're the same in different ways, but we still don't have Marshawn Lynch. So you can run block all you want, but we don't have that that bruiser back that comes along once in a generation, not to every team. This is just on the offensive side. The Legion of Boom was a special thing. It was a legacy team. Okay, and that's not coming back, not under Pete Carroll. So what do I think of this question? I think that this is I think our ceiling is a 12 and four regular season and an NFC championship game loss at the best. Most so likely you, the divisional so round with, loss. So are you OK with that, though? Or do you want do you want to do you think we should like it? If if you were in charge of the Seahawks, you're the owner. Would you be dumping Pete right now to try to to try to move on, or or no? Uh, I would definitely be looking at anything that is a definite upgrade. Now, I'm sorry to say definite twice there. Uh, teams, is there a definite upgrade out there though? That's the thing. There's not. Teams move when they have to. We got rid of everyone's favorite dirtbag, Jim Mora. One, it was a good decision but we took a chance on Pete Carroll and it worked out for us. The chiefs knew when to pounce on Andy Reed. Uh, everyone, but the Texans know that they should be pouncing on Eric Bienemy. If I'm saying his name wrong, absolutely. Uh, sometimes coaches, you have to pounce when the moment is right. If the moment became right, I think that's something I'd have to think about, but I'd want John Schneider on that page because I value what he does. And frankly, I'd love to see Pete in a front office role. Uh, I just, I'm getting real sick of his coaching, especially after this year. Yeah, I think like what you said that the last thing is that like there are things that are verifiable that Pete is good at. Um, micromanaging. Culture, He's really good at micromanaging, and that sucks. Building a culture, coaching a secondary, uh, um, getting people to buy into what what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But but the thing is, is that the thing we're doing is is good, but not great. Right. And yeah. we, and as fans of NFL football, we are, we are seeking greatness, right? Our, our goal, we're not the Cleveland Browns anymore. And I, and I, we, you know, it sucks to say that, but like there was a time when Seahawks fans probably would have been happy just to make the playoffs every year, be a part of it, and then kind of roll the dice on, even though we don't think that, the, you know, but now I think that there's, a, there's a higher level of expectation, especially because 
our quarterback is Russell Wilson. And this is starting to have real like Mike McCarthy with Aaron Rodgers vibes where like, yeah, they got to a Super Bowl and they won one, but then they wasted seven, eight, nine years of Aaron Rodgers' absolute peak um, having Mike McCarthy coach that team and they kept making excuses for him. And are we going to waste all of Russell Wilson's prime just watching this team get to the playoffs and lose? And are, or, or are we going to go find our, our Matt Lefleur, ha, 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 French coach? Because like that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's like we we need someone to come in and, and unleash Russ. And with the offensive coordinator move, maybe that is something that can happen. But I'm scared that right now you every coach that comes in gets put between a rock and a hard place because Pete Carroll – wants to play so conservatively protect the football and and not and he said when i come back to the nfl i want to do it my way a hundred percent so this is what he wants to do and he's not going to relinquish that control right mm-hmm. and so it's tough we're in a we're in a tough 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 spot here all right kevin what are you gonna say i was gonna say pete's like uh when you play pickup basketball you know that guy who will only shoot are you are you corner? are you doing bill simmons right now uh, pick up basketball analogies. I haven't listened to him since uh, Grantland. <laughs> no yeah, idea. I was just saying he's been he's been doing it since Grantland. This pick up basketball analogies. But I, uh, yeah, I do, I who, do know this guy, Kevin. Yeah, the guy who only shoots threes from the corner where there's no backboard, so you can't bank anything in. So it's got to be nothing but net every time. That's right, we're not key. we're not in the NBA, so so it's uh, so, so, yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> you just lost like fifteen percent of your shoot uh, off your shot. And that's Pete right now. The way Pete wants to run a team is you have to thread that needle of we're going to be conservative enough on the offense to outscore you by one score. It's like trying to run an entire race to run in second place exactly. It's a really, uh, it, it artificially narrows the window of how good our team can be. And because he's choosing to do this defense first offense just don't mess it up um not taking chances where it logically makes sense to take chances uh reducing what the offense is capable of because that's what he insists on doing and because the nfl is moving past that he's he's the guy popping threes from the corner he's just going you know what backboard backboards for losers i'm gonna i'm gonna either hit it exactly through the net or not at all and so you end up with a lot more not at all so yeah, we could win a Super Bowl with him. Hey, but if but you're good at if you're good at shooting though, shoot from the corner. It's a shorter shot. That's true. <laughs> but if you're but if you're bad, maybe maybe give yourself a little maybe margin if you're for error. Weak. But uh, maybe <laughs> give yourself a little margin for error. Okay. Um. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about. So the other questions were about like there. Okay. Going into next year, the salary cap's going down. The Seahawks have a significant number of free agents, and honestly, because we're missing draft picks from the from the Prez trade, there's not a lot of paths to make these make this team better. Some of the paths people have suggested have included even trading guys like Tyler Lockett or Russell Wilson. Um, so, what where do you guys stand on uh, on big moves like that? How what's the path for this team to get better? going into next season without with very little cap room and and significant (laughs) pieces like Shaquille Griffin, KJ Wright and Chris Carson that need to be brought back into the fold or, or, or replaced. Can I give my hot take here? Yeah. I said, screw it. No, this is not a hot take. Let me back up. Can I give you my take? Here it is. You're not competing next year. You're not competing in a sense that you're going to go out and get the best players. You have guys you need to let walk. You have guys you need to uh, let them deal with the bed they've made. Russell Wilson will have plenty of guys to throw to, and you may have the same result you had this year, meaning regular season success, early playoff loss. Do not dig deeper. It is time to restock ASAP, which means you got to get poor for a year. Best case scenario is this team gets poor for 2021. Give it all the Kraken. They're coming. Give them the glory. Get bad. Let some guys walk that are free agents. Let the age get out of this team, amass draft picks, and rebuild immediately. It's the only thing that can save Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson's tenure in their Seahawk careers. And maybe you're looking at that as a hot take, but really think about it. What, we're just going to re-sign everyone, and uh, we're just going to somehow make oh, it work? We can't, couldn't. Can't, can't do that. The team yeah. has uh, 
team has 17 million in cap space next year. I mean, yep. that's that's basically just Shaquille Griffin if they decide to resign him. And I don't think five, he's worth five resigning at, five, at that. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, five to seven million dollars to kind of fill out the rest of your roster yeah, after it's, that. Yep. You have to blow this up. Uh, you have to do your best to retain the super talented players that aren't going to cost you a lot. The thing is, for me, uh, our like probably like the third or fourth best player on our team is Dwayne Brown. Mm-hmm. And Dwayne Brown's window for being good is rapidly closing. He's eight, 30, two, eight, 12, 12 games. Most. He's, he's 35 years old. I'm guessing he's one to two years away from starting a pretty steep decline unless he's Andrew Whitworth, which he could be. Andrew Whitworth is 39 this year and was as good as ever. You know, it's possible. Andrew Whitworth is also the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. So comparing anyone to him is uh, questionable. <laughs> uh, so so in my opinion, um, yeah, it's tough. I think that, yeah, trading Tyler Lockett is an outside-the-box solution to the problem that we have. Which is um, which is we need to clear a little cap if we want to get better anywhere other than uh, just bringing every bringing uh, you know kind of one guy back and filling in the rest. Uh, trading Russell Wilson, okay. Um, I wouldn't do it. Uh, you could there's Godfather offers you could get like if Miami comes to you and says, "Hey, we'll give you Tua and three first round draft picks, including three number three and number twenty eight this year, and our first round pick next year." Yeah, that's pretty hard to turn down. And that's a that's a that's a king's bounty. Mm-hmm. A guy who basically has first round draft value plus three other first round picks, uh, a quarterback on a cap control contract, and then you get to you get to pair him up with, you know, probably at number three overall, you pick that other wide receiver from Alabama. That so he's you know he they play together. They are they already know each other. Uh, yeah, it'd probably be pretty good. Probably be pretty solid. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, other than outside of like the uh, the offer you can't refuse. I don't there's, think there's any way you can afford to trade Russell Wilson. The the unknown is is too bad. And like there was that rumor a couple years ago we were going to trade Russell Wilson for just the number one overall pick uh, and draft Josh Allen. And um, I'll just say this. If the Seahawks would have traded Russell Wilson for Josh Allen, I probably would have canceled the podcast. Like I'd be done. <laughs> I I would have hated it so much mm-hmm. that I don't know if I could have could have just kept going. It's absolute. Uh, that's absolutely not enough. Russell Wilson is a sure thing. He is a top ten at worst quarterback, top five definitely more likely, and you can't just you can't trade him away unless you are receiving the uh, the king's bounty. So then you have to look to who else can we get rid of? Right. Well, we can get rid of. Uh, we can get rid of Bob, or, uh, Tyler Lockett. Maybe we could get rid of Jaron Reed. Jaron Reed coming off a pretty good sack season. Has quite a high cap number for a defensive tackle. Uh, $13.5 million next year. You could you could look at moving off of him. Uh, but there's not a lot of options because the cap because the cap went down and we're gonna we're kind of gonna be up against it. So I don't know. It's tough. It's very tough. Yeah, there's it's gonna be a paint painful off season. And I don't know if Eric, I agree with you totally blow it up because with Russell Wilson on your team, you can always be competitive to get into the playoffs. And then theoretically anything can happen. Although we've seen with Pete Carroll, maybe, maybe, a, maybe not, but, 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 uh, but doesn't it make sense to let him figure it out? And I'm not saying thrown to the wolves, don't give him an offensive line, but look what we did the regular season. You don't think with a, bunch of guys you don't know their names and Russell Wilson we can just do more or less the same thing yeah go 10 and 6 and lose in the first playoff game we could yeah, definitely do that absolutely right? yeah, yeah, we, yeah could, we could be Houston it's it's been success so far why not keep it going yeah, remember oh, that season meaning. where we had we had no offensive line and we almost made the playoffs if Blair Walsh just makes kicks we make the playoffs uh yeah there's yeah. no reason we couldn't try that if we wanted um but boy so big, you're big talking yikes. about McCarthy and uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I'm also thinking about you know the last decade of Ben Roethlisberger's career, and that's another kind of thing to think about this. So Russ is a top five quarterback. As a general rule, before I can have a conversation with the team, they need to come to me with a viable starting quarterback, two first and a second, and then we can start talking, or like three first and a second, and then we can start talking. So anything short of that, and there's not even a conversation to be had. You you don't deal top five quarterbacks. 
because then you're just looking for another top five quarterback. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I feel the same way about like the trading Deshaun Watson. Like, there's a reason that the Texans this week were like, "Hey, actually, we are going to schedule an interview with Eric Bieniemy because you yeah. just you cannot trade those guys. Yeah, you don't trade top five quarterbacks. Otherwise, you're just looking for another one, and you're never going to be that good until you have them. There's a reason Jared Goff is one of the highest paid players in the NFL. It's because the Rams know they can win with him, and that's good enough. <laughs> We all know Jared Goof isn't that good, but they can win with him. They know they can win with him, and so that it's good enough. Whatever, we'll we'll make him the you know top five highest paid quarterback because that's what we have to do to keep him on our team. So now, as for Lockett, I don't want to do Lockett because a sorry, just a second. Kevin's dying. I had time. it too. I uh, it's, it's catching. I had, to, I had to hit the I had to hit the sneeze button. Um, <laughs> so I got I got so excited. I got riled up talking about Tyler. Um, so the thing with Tyler Lockett is that he's making 13 million, which is really not that much for the quality of player that he is. So we could get rid of him, but I feel like we'd again, be getting rid of him for probably a draft pick. We have to spend replacing. Him. So instead we're looking at probably KJ walks. He made 10 million this year. Hollister made a little over 3 million this year. He walks. Carson's probably gone. Um, you're either, Renegotiating or trading Jaron Reed. Can you believe the Bills got Stephon Diggs into a new contract that's fourteen million a year, and they have him through twenty twenty four? Wow! Doesn't that make you? Doesn't that, that make is you, like the Dwayne Brown contract? Basically, Robert Woods got sixteen million dollars a year. How yep. did they do that? Like, like I just feel like Stephon Diggs maybe damaged his image a little bit, like by kind of being a little bit of a diva, and like, but he was just trying to get away from Kirk Cousins, which yeah, it worked. Who yeah, can look blame at, him for that? Look and then at season, man. Then he lost. Like he probably lost like you know ten, fifteen million dollars because he is quite possibly. Well, I think he's the best route runner in the NFL, and he could. You could make an argument he's one of the best. Wide he's receiver. a top five wide receiver, probably. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins got almost what twenty seven and a half million dollars for two years. Like you, some of these, you can get. He could have got twenty. He could have got twenty on the open market. He'd really. Uh, I don't know. It's, so it's I got interesting. Two more cap casualties to talk. Okay. Dunlap, Dunlap. 14.1 million. 14.1 million. We can cut him and it's what all a gone. Waste. What a waste. What a waste of what? We traded a guy whose contract we need to get out of. It's a, no, it is a waste of a season. Not not what you said. I like what you said. And it's a reality. But yeah, what you're talking a, about tearing it down. I mean. <laughs> just what a great season, man. What a great season wasted. That's all so I'm we saying. we need to re-sign him. Give him two or three years if we think that he can be a guy for two or three years. But get that number closer to 10. Or give him his walking papers you know but I mean, Dunlop's a smart guy he knows nobody else can really pay him this offseason yeah and I was gonna say like I think that we there's a chance that we just cut him and say go find your best contract and then he comes back and says I'll play for you guys for seven million next year like that's a very real thing that could happen yep. with Dunlap because there's there's just not going to be a market especially for aging players out there it's gonna be tough and so like we can probably get Mayoa back for about three yes I agree with that and There's, then the other one is Myers paying a kicker $4.35 million in dumb. this cap situation good call. is not good. Yeah. And he's going to be able to get a $3 million contract from someone because he's but a the very thing is we get 2 million in dead money. So yeah. we, need to, we need to cut him and basically like pick up a UDFA kicker. We're going to be playing that game again. I, I think I need a dirt cheap kicker. I think there's a chance that they just keep Myers because there's so much guarantee still on his deal. Um, next yeah. year would be the year that that they could they would definitely cut him. For the record, though, this is why you don't sign a kicker to a big money contract because when you're paying your quarterback and you get any other talented players, then suddenly you're going, why is our kicker making as much as like our fourth defensive tackle plus our third tight yeah. end? Jason Myers is making like almost as much as like Quandre Diggs and Brandon Shell and like guys who significant contributors. I want to give John Schneider some compliments. Uh, Brandon Shell, significantly better than my wildest expectations. Cedric Agbui <laughs> was really good those couple weeks he had to fill in at the end of the season there. He was not the problem those weeks, which was nice. I mean, it was nice to have like a swing tackle who was trustworthy uh, that we could throw out there when Shell got hurt. Because inevitably, like Kevin said earlier with Ivan the Terrible, we're going to have to deal with injuries. <laughs> um, nope. And then safety depth was big, good too. And on our team, you know, we got Diggs, Ryan Neal. Blair, Amadi, Ryan Neal, like all these guys. Um, and they're all coming back next year. So I don't think the secondary is like totally SOL, but we do we do need to find like a number one cornerback this offseason. 
Yep. Well, yeah, let's that's... talk draft too. Because everyone wants to dump on John Schneider's draft. Alton Robinson looks like he could be a steal. Oh, like, the, last, yeah. the last two drafts are actually really good. Yeah. If Darrell Taylor yeah. is is literally anything, last year's draft could go down as like one of his best. Yep. Um, because it's looking like like um multiple starters. Multiple starters are going to come out of that draft that are like significant contributors. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I think that there, it's good. Schneider got a big extension. Um, he played. He played the. We we called it on this show that we. He played the. Uh, oh yeah, I want to go be the GM for the Lions, and we were like, uh, No, you so, don't. So you, so you want a new contract? Is that what you're saying? And he was like, Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Pay me. <laughs> so they're like, All right, here's a raise. Now you're here till 2027. So that's a good move. That's really good business. John Schneider makes. He's. He says, I'm always competing for trades, and it's true. He's always in every deal. There's a reason we were able to kind of find uh, uh, Carlos Dunlap in the in the couch, you know? Like, it was like finding a quarter in the couch. Like yeah, it's cushions. like Quandre Diggs, only better even. Yeah, Quandre Diggs, same thing. Like, they just these guys that, you know, he go he just going around, and he's asking. Like, he's like, hey, is, uh, is Quandre Diggs available? And they're like, uh, yeah, sure. And then he's like, all right, give me one Quandre Diggs. And now we've got this this safety who I think is, you know, he's a borderline top 10 safety, only making five and a half million dollars a year. It's great. Quandre Diggs is awesome value. Uh, John Schneider is doing great. I, the The problem with the problems we see are at the OC. So let's talk about it with the, with the coaching staff. Okay. Today, big news comes across the board at like, I don't know what was it, like three o'clock, four o'clock, Kevin, when I messaged you, that was like right after it happened. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was between three and four. Cause I was wrapping up class and hadn't gotten home yet. Yeah. So, so sometime around three, uh, news comes out Schottenheimer and, uh, and Carol are breaking up the band due to creative differences. <laughs> I mean, it's really what it sounded like. I had to walk out of the recording studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what that means? Somebody was hitting on somebody's wife. Oh, sorry. Yeah. so uh, back to the band analogy there. Yeah, Shotty's a man of God, so it's definitely Pete Carroll. Okay, so because I don't know if you saw Russell Wilson's <laughs> message, but he's like, I, I love the Bible studies with you, yes, uh, Shotty. Yes, <laughs> kind of funny. Go be great, I God first. I hate Russ so much. Yeah, it's so it's so, such a corn, so corny sometimes. Okay, so we got Shotty's out. So I asked you guys. I put it in the Discord. I said, come up with your list of a wish guy that you wish they would sign and then a uh, uh a realistic expectation like a realistic guy that we could go get now we know pete carroll has said what does he want to do he wants to make the run game better what a nebulous statement that is that's a thing you can't uh, run it more and better so he wants the run game to be mo better so how about uh Kevin, start us off. Who's your Who's your uh, dream? Who's your wish? Who do you okay. really want? Us We're starting to off uh, optimistic, good. Because yes. my pessimistic one is going to make everybody hate me. Okay, um, you, can go, you can go. You can go first and last then. Okay, so uh, my optimistic one is not shooting the moon exactly. It's former San Diego or former Los Angeles Chargers coach Anthony Lynn. Oh, um, the total culture guy. Yep, a culture guy, former running backs coach, um, has proven able to be an effective install of a run game. He was an offensive coordinator for Rex Ryan, who's a defense first coach. Really good at implementing a short passing game too, which which uh, Pete admitted in one of his interviews today was a weakness of the team. Yep, but he still the the Chargers teams he was with were known for taking deep shots. When he was with uh, Tarod, he had Tarod taking a lot of deep shots as well. So deep shots outside the um, hash marks is something that we know uh, is a strength of Russ's. And so I I feel like he's a guy who could come in and probably convince Pete to do something like I think he could package the type of offense that Pete can digest that still makes us more modern. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Eric. Yes. You're up. Uh, which one do you want to hear first? The oh, dream? Your, your dream. Your dream. What's My your dream. dream. Uh, you know, I I wanted to go big, but I didn't want to go. Uh, I didn't want to go too big, and then I and then I went back and got too big. So I, I I'm going with Josh McDaniels. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So why is this? You're saying why why Josh McDaniels? 
So I was going to say Kyle Shanahan because that's a dream. It's fun. Let's dream. But Josh McDaniels is a guy who I believe wants to be. Wait, there. you were going to say head coach Kyle Shanahan was going to step down to our OC role? You asked me for my dream. <laughs> that is a great, that is not a great epic. That is a great epic dream, actually. Can you, you see, switch Reed. it over? Switch it over. Yeah, you're you, doing you're doing Josh. No, 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 doing, no, 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 no. Because we're stealing, <laughs> we're stealing Kyle Shanahan from the from a division rival to, to be, be our, our OC. And waiting in OC. Oh, yeah, that's, God, that's, that'd that's so I'd be so yeah, I know. Awesome. I know. That's why that's why that's why I dialed it back a little bit i thought you were gonna say doug peterson i was like that is dreaming pretty big no. kyle shanahan i love it josh josh <laughs> i saw him dying back bro josh mcdaniels is a guy who knows how to balance an offense he's a guy who could make this offense sing in both running and passing i believe his toxic differential plays are some of the uh most useful in the game right now uh he's also He's been coached by the best, and he's probably the heir apparent in New England, which is why we're not going to get him. But this is a guy that I could get behind, especially in an offensive coordinator role. Um, that's that's my guy. Uh, I don't think we have any chance. Uh, better chance than Cal Shanahan, but still, that's my dream. All right, my uh, my my uh, dream guy is someone. I I didn't go dream as big as Eric. You know, a guy that we realistically don't be dream as big as Eric. Uh, I, I, true. I'm gonna go. I'm going to go with Doug Peterson, though. Um, I think Doug Peterson would be a great fit for the Seahawks. He with the the run pass option concepts that he runs would work great with um with with Russ. Uh, you know, and he one thing I like is that all these zone read plays that the Seahawks run, Russ never keeps it anyway. So like Doug Peterson's install doesn't the quarterback doesn't uh doesn't need to run very much. The quarterback is more of a pocket passer, and the the run the run option is not usually a quarterback run, and so um, and that's good because because I don't think Russ wants to run it that much anymore. I get that get that feeling. Do you guys would you guys agree with that? Uh, um, he'll do it if he has to, but yeah, I feel like he shies away from from running. So so uh, for me, uh, Doug Peterson was my my dream. I think those RPO concepts would work really good. All right, here we go. Um, oh, and someone on Twitter said Sarkeesian, and I actually think Sarkeesian from a concept standpoint would be good, but he just took a head coaching job at Texas. There's no way he's coming back to the, uh, the NFL right now. Okay. Being a head coach at Texas is a retirement plan because either you're going to get paid to go away or you're going to get paid forever. Okay. I'm going to take, I'm taking two for the, for the, for my, uh, my realistic, uh, one. And I hope that I didn't accidentally steal someone's by doing this. Definitely going to stealing mine. If you took two, we'll see. Oh no. Okay. I, I, I think we're going to steal an offensive coordinator from the 49ers and I couldn't decide which one. Oh, go in, for that. In the chat I said Mike McDaniel, their run game coordinator, who uh who does a really good job because we want to focus on the run. But I also think Mike LaFleur is really tempting, their pass game coordinator. Mm. And so Mike Mike LaFleur, oh, 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 French coach. Uh, <laughs> he's the he's the other LaFleur's uh brother. Uh, Sorry guys, fix so, podcast joke. So actually they um the, the thing about Mike LaFleur is that he's actually been uh, – they've two teams have attempted to interview him for their OC jobs, Green Bay Packers obviously with his brother, and the Browns wanted him for their OC. The 49ers denied both of them because you're only – you only have to give let other teams interview people if they uh, – if it's for a – a head coaching job, they changed the rule in the beginning of 2020. Now you can, you can only, you can, as long as it's a move up into a coordinator job. And right now he's a co-offensive coordinator. So uh, LaFleur is a hot coach that could do it. I think McDaniel might just be like a better fit because he's a, he's a run game coach and offensive assistant that's focused on the run game. He's been with some good running teams. Uh, so I think Either one kind of works for me on a number of levels. One, we're stealing a good coordinator from McDaniel. Two, when you read interview stuff with him, he's in that like wide zone read uh, Shanahan coaching tree. Like that's his mentality. Like he wants to do those uh, those zone read, uh, um, the zone blocking uh, schemes and stuff that I think that I think deep down in his heart, that's what Pete wants to get back to. <laughs> so I think he'd be a good fit from that perspective. LaFleur, maybe a little more creative, maybe a little bit more of a spicy pick, but the pedigree is there. I mean, he made Jimmy Garoppolo into a quarterback that can get to the Super Bowl. Can't really, it's hard to deny that. And they also, another thing too is, is that's a team that usually has like one and a half passing game threats at a time and they still manage to move the ball. Like it's like, hey, they have... um 
Debo Samuel dragging a leg and George Kittle, and that's it. That's all they got, and they still managed to move the ball. So I think either one of those guys I'd be super into coming in as our as our OC, uh, and I think it's somewhat realistic that it could happen. Uh, that kind of that offense that the Shanahan coaching tree is what I'd be looking at. That Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan, uh, Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. That's the the zone that I think we need to be looking at as guys. Hey, Pete Carroll might actually like, who hmm. Anthony Lynn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. All <laughs> right, uh, Eric. Um, so I I thought about this earlier, and I was trying to like, you know, who's out there? What can we get? And I was starting to like deep dive on coaching names like you know one of clemson's offensive coordinators or something and i'm like nah i don't like any of these choices so uh i have some i have a one weird name i'm gonna throw out there which it might just be the stupidest thing ever but i think it's just weird enough that pete might be into it uh the running backs coach for the philadelphia eagles is do you guys know Deuce uh, Staley. yes Deuce thank you deuce staley <laughs> i Deuce? could Loose. I could totally see with Peterson being out as head coach, his assistants fall out there. So I'm looking at Deuce Staley. I'm looking at <laughs> one of my favorite names in the game, Press Taylor. Uh, go ahead. What? You want to hear a cool Deuce Staley fact? I'd love it. Deuce Staley. Um, he made up a drill that that's enhances footwork, and it's so good and so well regarded around the league they added it to the nfl scouting combine in 2020 which is really cool yeah Yeah. that's a cool deuce deuce staley fact the deuce is loose and the deuce could be loose here i think deuce staley is an is like an underground name that you're probably not going to hear but man uh i i think it's something pete could do eagles eagles fans want his name to be in the hat for head coach so i could totally i totally think you're on to something there i think and uh Press Taylor it was another one just because I looked at Eagles coaches. I, I didn't specifically want to go that way, but I just kept circling back to it. And a lot of people think that in a couple of years, Press Taylor is a guy who might be a head coach uh, and that Deuce Staley probably needs a bigger role somewhere. Uh, Press Taylor is uh, he's like a passing guy. Uh, it's weird. I took a, a running guy and a passing guy, and I don't know which would help. Like uh, whoever's weakness is a better strength. That's that's I mean, uh, the two guys. John DeFilippo like totally bombed as an OC. So I'd be worried about picking up his like QB coach protege. Mm-hmm. But but uh yeah. That's yeah. that's a that's that's my only that's my only uh and also that's the Chris guy Taylor that was working closest with Wentz. So he has Wentz stank all over him now. That's <laughs> yeah. So someone's been Wentzed. I mean I'll say Press Taylor it as an as a coordinator to to get retained when Chip when they change from Chip Kelly to Doug Peterson, he has to be pretty sharp. So, yeah. All right. The other thing too about Doug Peterson, you guys, did you know he's from Bellingham, Washington? Just want to throw yeah. that out there. All right, Kevin, go ahead. Wait for everyone to be mad. Yeah, you're gonna say Matt. You're gonna say Daryl Bevel. All right. So, uh, no, I have two <laughs> young up and comers. Uh, both uh, are uh, heavily in rumors for um, top level college offensive coordinator jobs right now. Oh my gosh. Um, both have uh, experience as pass and run game coordinators on a top 10 NFL offense by DVOA. Uh, it's uh, Brennan Carroll and Dave Cannelly's the. I hate you. I knew it was running coming. pass game coordinators for the Seattle Seahawks. Brennan, if you, Brennan want my, Car- you want my if prediction? They, if they bring in Brennan Carroll to be uh, OC, I will lose my mind. I, just I told you, to you it was going to make everyone mad. I will lose my stuff. So uh, the whole thing is, last time, Shoddy was like one of the first names attached to the job. Ended up being Shoddy. The first three, uh, the first four names I heard attached to this job were Pep Hamilton and uh, what's Pep the Hamilton would be a t- Pep Hamilton would be a terrible <laughs> choice. By the way, I just want to throw that out there. I do not think Pep Hamilton is. Is is it? And then what's the other guy's name? Uh, the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. Chargers, Shane. yeah. Uh, Shite, can't, you can't even say it, yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what led me to Anthony Lynn because I was like, why would I take them instead of him? And then the other name that immediately came out was Brennan Carroll. Mm-hmm. And so uh, b- to give you an idea of my emotional state after that playoff loss, I picked the one that made it hurt the most. This is that moment in a um, uh, 
Goodwill Hunting, when he says he uh, picked the wrench. Mm-hmm. I picked the wrench for this one. <laughs> Stop. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, I love I love doing this podcast with my friends. I love talking Seahawks football, but that's but like if a, that happens, we're quitting the podcast. No, no, that's honestly like I don't like anything what Kevin said, but he put it in such a thoughtful, uh, well flavored, most possibly a, a a possibility package. Like sure, sure, whatever. You're uh, damn you, damn you for Pete Carroll hearing this and being like, oh, you know, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna transition out of that, huh? On right. the movie club. There we go. Uh, there are many ways to support the Seahawks in this podcast. <laughs> the best way to do so: Patreon.com. No, wait, wait. I'm gonna head to Only12s.com. Click anywhere on your screen. Thank you to new Patreons, Sam and Michael, and Patreons new and old: Lucas, Greta, Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James. Brett, Gary, Tom, Sam, Brandon, Nick, Thomas, Charles, Sebastian, Foles, E.B., Emmanuel, Jay, Warwolf, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Flocktimus, Keith, and Michelle. Um, thanks, you guys, for supporting the show for another season. Uh, we'll be here all summer, but you know, I know some people only listen during the season. That's all right. We appreciate you just the way you are. Make sure you get in the Discord. I'm going to try to do some fun stuff in there over the summer. Plus coming up soon a special patreon episode uh the big one if you don't know well you'll know soon <laughs> uh all right let's go ahead and get into a uh, movie club this week for movie club we decided we wanted to each pick a movie that would make you feel better a movie a feel-good movie the feel-good movie of the summer right feel-good hit uh we each picked a movie that we think that makes us feel good Okay, and I'm going to go first because uh, I only know mine and I want to react to your guys' uh, more strongly. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I did Wayne's World. Um, and mostly because I Excellent. love Wayne's, I love Wayne's World because it has the, the mega happy ending, right? They, they go, they go in and they, they have the sad ending and then they're, just, do ending. they straight up stop, talk to the camera and they're like, okay, well, now let's do another ending. Then they Scooby Doo ending. Then they don't like that ending either. So they go with the mega happy ending. And uh, man, it is a uh, it's great stuff. It's mega happy. Uh, yeah, it's mega happy. So and it, the movie's just funny. It's goofy. It's got great cameos. Um, it's it's fun. It's an enjoyable film. I would put it in the Good use of music. It's top tier for uh, for Lauren Michaels uh, films for me. Uh, it's that one. McGruber is the other one I think is uh, <laughs> really solid. <laughs> Uh, and then I'd say either Tommy Boy or Black Sheep is top tier as well. All right. Uh, Kevin, you want to go next? Okay. So um, originally I was going in a different direction because depending on where I'm at in my uh, grieving cycle, sometimes you just get out the shovel and dig deeper. But since we're going for ones that have the cheering up process, I like to go with action comedies mm-hmm. because it just gives my brain a lot to work with. It's a very, it's a great distraction, um, and it makes me happy. And one of my all-time favorite action comedy is Hot Fuzz. Oh yeah, nice. I could Hot do a, and delightful. I could do an an hour on Hot Fuzz, but let's just go with this. Uh, Kevin, what's your favorite like a uh, zinger or a uh, one liner in the movie or, or just thing that happens? All right, so uh, dollar of the swear jar, but it's just when he catches uh, over the. Uh, um, over the walkie, when they come in, look at his arse, the dirty old shop lady. <laughs> yeah, there's just so many funny little unnecessary jokes like that. So, or like so Mr. P.I. Staker. There's, there's a lot of small jokes in this movie. Um, if I'm ranking them one, two, three, okay, I have, to have a top three, okay, and I can't do top one, but um, when number three, when he when he slides in and in there, it's the shootout in the in the um, supermarket, and he says, "Where's the trolley boy?" And he goes, "In the freezer." And he goes, 
did you say cool off? And he said, no, I didn't say anything. And he just looks at him and he goes, shame. <laughs> I don't know, it just kills me every time. Uh, okay, that's that's number three. Number two, when he's asking him, he's like, did you ever fire a gun? Did you ever fire a gun in the air while screaming? Ah! And, like, and he keeps asking him questions about, did you ever fire a gun whilst jumping? Did you ever fire two guns whilst jumping? You know, that part's, that part's really funny to you. That's number two. But number one, of course, is when the guy is um drinking the beer and he gets some beer in his mustache and – and Angel looks at him and goes, you have a mustache. And he just goes, I know. For some reason, that that stupid joke just destroys me every time. I love it so much. Uh, I also like when they have the camera set behind him and the dude like lingers his head as he walks away. Uh-huh. It's been oh, turned yeah. into a, like there's so many sight gags that are just really funny. The, the thing is, is they have like really, really, really great actors, Patty Considine and uh, Rafe Spell as the Andes. Like they're just, they're just <laughs> in these movies, they're in this movie and they're so funny and they're just, because they're British and not American, you know, like we don't know them, but they're so, 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 so good. Oh, in this yeah, we're uh, Olivia Coleman as uh, Doris mm-hmm. Thatcher, Timothy Dalton is in yeah. here and is excellent. Jim Peter Broad- Jackson, Broadbent. Jim Broadbent is so good as the like the primary uh, like the captain guy. <laughs> yes, so funny. Peter um, Jackson plays the deranged Santa Claus in that movie. He does. Oh, that yeah, that's awesome. I found that out last year. <laughs> last year when we were talking something about it, it was like a fact I I forgot to mention. So all right, any uh, Eric, you want to go to the your your feel good movie of yeah, the man. winter? Uh, I had a I had a few that I you know had to kind of search like Kevin did, and I just went with a simple, plain one that's really good, and that's Weird Science. Mm. Weird Science is a classic. It's got a lot of great stars in it: Bill Paxton, Anthony Michael Hall. It's a John Hughes film. Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo. (laughs) (laughs) Danny Elfman. Anytime I can bring up Oingo Boingo, I'm going to do it. So don't give me very many opportunities. This man, Danny Elfman, uh, the the genius behind so many movies, also genius behind Oingo Boingo. Uh, It plus, I mean, come on, breaking arts. Bill Paxton is Chet, the greatest movie villain in history. Kelly LeBrock, still beautiful. Uh, I don't really know if it gets more beautiful than her in that movie. Iron Man. Yeah, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is in that movie too. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, and his friend, who didn't really do much afterwards. Uh, nope. But... It's kind of funny that the more sidekick character ended up being the one. Like, yeah. The guy played <laughs> Wyatt, same thing. Yeah, I just find this movie very enjoyable. Kelly LeBrock, uh, this was not her first movie, but she literally uh, comes in and just makes the movie. Yeah, uh, she's, she's sexy. Really she's hilarious. Uh, she's she wasn't a comedian. She just rocked it in this movie. Yeah, I love that movie. It makes she me was like not at the time was she even really an actress? Like I, feel I like think she she did like a Gene Wilder movie. Like oh yeah, Woman yeah. Woman in Red. Yeah, but I mean I feel like she had she had serious chops in this movie for someone who had not really been uh, an established actor. At that you don't point. piss me off. I'll I'll kick your ass. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Anthony Michael Hall, man, just like. Cannot believe that guy just kept going. No, mom, I never tossed off. I was in the bathroom raining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's great. It's a good choice. Definitely a feel good movie for sure. So, all right. If you have a movie that makes you feel better, share it with us. Maybe we'll watch it. Uh, share it in the Discord or on Twitter. Uh, for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks. <laughs>